gonna like crinkle against the wall. Well, I'm gonna rip. I'll rip out the tabs. Oh, is this too far? <laughs> gonna rip out the tabs. <laughs> that, what is that judgmental? Yeah, I'm gonna take. Welcome to episode three. Today we are doing book club um, chapters 13 through 16, House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. So, yes, yes. Yeah. I don't Lots have as many notes this time, so hopefully we won't um, I just said lots to cover. talk so much. I mean, we have yeah. a lot to cover. Well, but. well, to be fair, we did have yeah, to. Yeah, but we lot. talked for like an hour about the first like five chapters we talked for almost like an hour and a half remember because i stopped us and i was like you guys it's been like a fucking hour and a half but (laughs) and we're on page 40 but a lot happens in the beginning of a book you got the setting you got character development like you got the whole mystery unfolding like i feel like that's not unexpected for the beginning of the book to take a little bit no Um, it's legit we just bit off more than we could chew by deciding to do half the book at podcast and we didn't really discuss yeah. it beforehand we were it. just like yeah let's just go mm-hmm. into I mean, the podcast I enjoyed that, though i really enjoyed i mean that's why we we haven't really talked about this either i liked that like first time experience of like your thoughts and then the ideas that that made me have that i hadn't right. had before so yeah it was all very organic we're kind of like learning things in real time mm-hmm. and putting pieces together yeah um which is is fun yeah but we really haven't just, dis- I mean, we haven't discussed what we're going to talk about today. So, no. well, I didn't feel same. like we really we're needed just doing to. Less chapters. Yeah, because it's a shorter section. Yeah. So, everyone following along with us, I know that there are some of you that have already finished the book because it's so good. Um, but, and we're jealous. And we're jealous. Um, but thanks for following along with us. You know, we're obviously still new to this, trying to figure out the best way to go about things. And going forward, we'll probably do polls and stuff to get your feedback about, like, page breakdown. Um, pacing. Pacing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that stuff. So and which books we're going to be reading. So at the end of this mm-hmm. video, actually, we're going to give five options of what our next book is going to be. Each of us picked one, and then we kind of debated on the other two. And then we will take your input on which book we should actually read, because let's be real, I can't decide. Yeah, uh, there's no way I can pick can. only None one. Narrowing yeah, it down to five was painful. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. But the good news is, is that we get to put, we get to pick titles every single month. So like, yeah. mm-hmm. but I mean, we all have our side bitches, our side books <laughs> that were, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Do we not? <laughs> Rosa's like five, probably. Uh, Steph's sneaky with hers. I'm not currently reading any books. Sneaky other than sneaky. Because sneaky I never know. All bitches. of a sudden, you're just like, oh, yeah, I read this or I just finished this yesterday. And like, you've never mentioned it. Uh, uh, well, now I you just have to follow lot. us on Storygraph and we need to update it with our current reads. Mm-hmm. I like that Storygraph will keep track of so many stats for you, including like pages read per day like mm-hmm. if you update it so i was kind of it was more for me trying to see all of what Storygraph could do because i love the graph feature and um all of the analytics it does uh, so 
so I try to keep up with it. Sense me too. I really like the mm -hmm. mood graph. I really like the fix to see like yeah, it's like a mood graph that like graphs out the type of books that you read mm -hmm. based on your mood or the mood of the book. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, hold up. I know I need to be more interactive with that. It's I really think it's cool. better with just like social media stuff. This is the mood oh, graph. Look at that. That's, that's cool. And then I have this really great, so there's also this pacing graph, um, but I like this fiction versus nonfiction graph that I have here that is awesome, obviously. Does that, does that say just fantasy, that's all you read, only no. fantasy? No, <laughs> it says I only read fiction. Yeah, just fiction, just fiction. Um, yeah. <laughs> just like, I can't even deny it, that's exactly what it says. Uh, but anyway, this is Storygraph. Uh, we use this instead of Goodreads. And it provides so many good analytics. You could do buddy reads. Uh, you can separate it based on like time periods for your analytics or for the whole year or for all time. I really enjoy it. Um, you can find these links to our personal Storygraphs on our uh, link tree. Um, and it is free to use. And I was just going to say, Storygraph people, you know, if you want to sponsor us, we are uh, actively <laughs> uh, receiving sponsors. So Yeah. Or if you want to just, like, <laughs> upgrade my account to the pro version for free, mm -hmm. I, like, that would be awesome, too. Like, that'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take it, you know, whatever, yeah, whatever you want to throw our way. <laughs> we'll take what we can get. Um, for this section. <gasps> oh, That's so my God. God. She's learning. But you, okay. And Your next how step does it is feel? to make them, make them not stick out so far because then when you put it on a bookshelf, all those little tabs are gonna like crinkle against the wall. Well, I'm gonna rip. I'll rip out the tabs. Aww. Is this too far? <laughs> gonna rip too far. <laughs> what is that judgmental? Yeah, I'm gonna take out the tabs. That's not I bad stuff. I but then what happens when you like go back and you're like, remember that one scene and I felt so emotional and then you just like open it up and you're on that tab and it's That's already what the highlighting and underlining is for but then you have to flip through every page mm -hmm. to find it that's fine I like doing things the hard way <laughs> okay should, right. we, should we get into it should we get into yeah, it yeah let's get into it okay let's chapter 13. It. 13 so we're on page 144 144 mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so where we left off last week was when they have gone back into the apartment. It is the three sisters and Tyler. And they're digging through, looking for Gray, as they have been doing this whole time. They're looking for Gray. And then Iris feels Gray, feels her presence, calls out to her, and then Gray appears and says, a girl dressed in white, her fingertips dripping blood. Oh my God, I whispered, Gray? My oldest sister looked up at me. Her eyes were black and her white hair hung in filthy clumps around her face. Run, she said. She tried to take a step toward me, but sank heavily to her knees. He's coming. And that's where we stop. Yeah. Also, I love that there's like a siren behind my ear. It, it like, it really like added to <laughs> the urgency. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dripping blood. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just I just made a note on 145 that um the no not Vivi um Gray needed to be restrained uh 
by multiple people because she she just wasn't she didn't want to go to the hospital mm-hmm. and that she all. actually fought her sister's off as well it says that i believe mm-hmm. uh yeah it said for iris there was still a fizzy string of pain where she'd scratch my cheek, my neck, my arms as I helped Vivi and Tyler hold her down yeah, in the back so of the taxi. Yeah, so she not only fought against the emergency personnel, but her sisters as well. So I think that mm-hmm. really speaks about how mm-hmm. intense she was, like, toward fighting her way the out. The state she was in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were all covered in scratches and bite marks and blood by the time doctors and nurses and security came rushing over to help restrain her. Medical personnel obviously don't believe her that she's from this fairy tale place with some fairy tale monster chasing her. Mm-hmm. So they think that she's just hallucinating and in some mental state where she's making all of this up. So they restrain her to her hospital bed. Then the next thing that I noted after that is actually to do with Iris um, when they're talking about the creepy neighbor. Yeah, same. And then this yes. part right here where it says, it had made it had made me angry, the look he'd given her. It had filled my stomach with blood and bile. The neighbor slipped in the bathtub that night, split his skull on the faucet, and spent the next week liquefying. His was the body I'd smelled before the dead man in Gray's apartment. I wondered for a long time after he died if my hatred of him had cursed him to death. Yeah, I marked that as well. I In my notes, I wrote, did Iris kill their neighbor? Because she has these powers that she doesn't understand. Did you just hear Maya? <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hi she's got something to say, too. Uh, so, yeah, she's got these powers she doesn't understand. And she so now she's actually wondering if her hatred for him was what actually made him die in his apartment and then mm-hmm. not be gone for days, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she even goes on to say, part of me was horrified at the thought. Part of me mm-hmm. hoped it was true. So, like, she's still right there, too. She's constantly, throughout what we've read so far, she's constantly struggling with knowing she there's something going on with her, but not wanting yeah. it to be true. That's that's something that's always happened with, right. her, with also, her. Also, I think this hints toward her darker nature, that she is trying to hide. Like, she's trying to be normal. And she keeps pointing out how Grey and Vivi have this, like, dark side. But then she is kind of not upset with the fact that she might have killed this man. Mm -hmm. Which points toward the fact that, like, she has Mm -hmm. this darker nature as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I do find it interesting how much um, Crystal Sutherland brings, like, sexual assault into this story. Or just, like, the feelings of not being safe. Um. Or, like, because right before the paragraph I read, she's talking about, like, men had begun catcalling me as I walked home from school in the afternoons, but that was my burden to bear. Seeing it done to my mother was something else. So she's just constantly talking about how often this is happening. It's, it's actually, like, a huge part of the story. Which, and Iris uh, was 13 when she, mm-hmm. mentioned, she mentioned that she was 13 at the time when men started catcalling her. And, yeah, they mentioned that she's super beautiful, like, even at a young age. But I don't think that's an excuse, really, for men to be catcalling a 13-year-old. But it is something that is brought out a lot in the story. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, like, fortunately is true. Yeah, I just find it interesting because it's like, I think about what other stories would be like if if 
the reality of what the daily lives of women was really portrayed in every single story. I feel like every story uh, that had female lead characters would have stuff like this in it. Huh. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people choose to, to yeah, cut no. that kind of stuff out or not focus on it, but this is like an absolute reality. And I just find it interesting that Crystal Sutherland uh -huh. made it such an important part. Not, I don't want to say important, but made it such a big part of the story. Um, and then, okay, I saw on page 150, do you guys have anything before 150? I do not. I have something on 150. I wonder <laughs> if Is it the last line before the break? It's not that they don't get along, it's that Kate hates her. It's actually the one right before that where she's talking about, or where Tyler is saying that um, Gray told him that mm. she's afraid of her father. Yeah. That's interesting. Why was Gray, Gray afraid of their father, though? Because Gray makes such a big deal about how she is the, like, she is the thing in the woods. She's yeah, the she's thing the to one, be afraid of. She's the weirdo. Uh, well, they... Yeah, so that's why I marked that, because she's always been... Yeah, she's I don't know, the, the top dog. That, right? uh, I've, I've always had the impression that she wasn't really afraid of anything, because, as you said, she's the thing to be afraid of, so when... When this was mentioned, I... Yeah, that's when they were it. younger, they talk about how he put them all in the car and he was going to drive them over the cliff or whatever. Yeah. And Gray's the one who, like, willed him to stop. Yeah, Gray took care of it. So, like... Right. And then he killed himself later that day, so we don't know if she willed him to do that. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, that mm -hmm. he might have killed himself because he was losing his, like, mental stability. Or he might have killed himself because Gray finally had enough and was like, I'm not letting you hurt me or my sisters. And then, mm -hmm. like, did her mind power trick thing to make him kill himself. Right. Or maybe that's when she really started to realize her own powers. Mm -hmm. So before that, she was kind of afraid of him because he was, like, she didn't know what he was going to do to them. But then ultimately she took care of it. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But even so... When they, I get what you're saying, but I also feel that even before then she was strong because she was the one that carried her sisters out of the halfway. Like that takes guts to do that. And I don't know. So it's still, it still was weird to me enough to, to want to mark it and yeah. see what comes of it, I guess. True. Oh my God. I just had a baby epiphany. What? 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 Do we think the Bull Skull Man is their father? Because they made it clear that he's dead. I kind of thought about that, um, like a few seconds ago. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know. Huh? Why? Like, wonder. Why? Why? Why would it be him? Like, it could be. It could be. I'm, but I can't figure out like why it would be him. But it would be a cool twist, plot twist, if it were. Which means it might be. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just kind of got that vibe right now. What did you want to talk about uh, on 150 about Kate hating Grey? Well, just that she, Iris said, that it's not that they don't get along. It's that Kate hates her. And then she goes on to talk a little bit about how when they first got back, or, you know, a little while after they got back, their mom didn't want anything. Like, she wasn't interested in knowing what happened to them and then she says on 151 then suddenly overnight she developed this burning desire to know to know exactly 
And then Kate kind of became obsessed with finding out what happened. So I feel like something caused her to shift from, um, you know, not wanting to know um, to like being obsessed with finding out. I think this goes back to whatever um, was whispered in her ear by Gray that day that caused that, that switch to flip that we still don't know what was said. Yeah, indeed. So there's something there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, did you guys mark anything before 153? So in 153, I marked how Iris said, um, Okay, I went to the bathroom and vomited. I thought of Justine Khan and how I could never unleash my sister on her, no matter how mean she became. Because Justine was just a girl and my sister was something more, something crueler, the thing in the dark. So here Iris is starting to talk about that darkness inside Grey. Um, You know, I know you don't think that she's all bad. I don't think any of us think she's all bad, but there is something dark inside her. And Iris Mm -hmm. knows it, which I think is important as well. Yeah. And I marked again right (laughs) before that section. I kind of marked that section with this though. Um, that came about because Gray was threatening mm-hmm. Kate, saying, if you hurt her in regard to Iris, if you so much as harm a single hair on her head, I will come back here and I will kill you. So it's once again protecting her sisters. And it's at not all just costs. an idle threat. I think some angsty teens will say that to their parents, and it's something that they shouldn't say, but it's also not something that they will really follow through with. But with Grey, like, Iris knows 100%. She means it. She means it. So, obviously, the very first page of 14 is a big deal. Page 156, when um, she starts to feel movement under the scar and finds and scratches it and finds ants moving under the scar, and which ties into the flower that was growing out of Vivi's arm and the flowers that were growing on all these people. And we find out later... Um, what this is, but we find it out in this section that the flowers and the leaves and the ants all from the halfway are actually like inside of them and trying to like consume them from the inside out, which is really weird and crazy. Um, I marked on 157. I mentioned it in our in last week's podcast too about the number three. Remember what like mm-hmm. yeah. stillborns and Something stuff, but. Again, they mentioned yep. three ants. And it, it there's uh, more. It, it implies that there could have been more, but she uh, specifically three. stops that third. I'm jump. And I have more I notes. I was going to say, three, jump three cuts. Three, so. three cuts. Uh, Tyler yeah. had no heartbeat for three minutes on page 189. Three minutes. There's a lot of threes. He had three. He had three percent battery yep. left on his phone. There's a lot of threes <laughs> that comes up. A lot of threes. It's so many things. And they're very yeah. random things as well. Like, he, he bought three chargers yeah. when he went to the store. Like, it's very yeah, weird. Yeah, that's true. It's so very weird. But specifically calls out mm-hmm. three. Like, I know I'm hopping mm-hmm. ahead, but on page 189, it does it a lot, so. Yeah, no, 189, I had the comment of three chargers, three minutes, yeah, all 3% on the same battery. Page. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's a lot. So there's obviously something Weird. big with that. Yeah. Um, and you can dive even further. That's three things Whoa. on one page. 
that went too far. It, I mean, so maybe not, though. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I think it went too far. Let me, let me take you, more sure? Is that what you need? <laughs> um... <laughs> So on 157, I just wanted to point out that when Iris is looking in the mirror, she said, um, the light wasn't kind to my features. It scrubbed the color from my complexion, carved any softness from my bones. I was a demon in this light, a monster. I couldn't look myself in the eyes without feeling a snap of fear. I thought that was interesting. That is, I love the Mm -hmm. wording used, but also Mm -hmm. like the imagery of, I feel like I use the word imagery too much but like her accepting herself as a demon i guess or acknowledging it because throughout this her father and everyone else kind of thinks that they are demonic or witches or something like that she knows it's there i don't think you're using (laughs) go ahead after you (laughs) i was just gonna say i don't think i don't think you're using the word imagery too much i feel like this book is really is full of imagery and it's i feel like that's like almost yeah yeah. A very important part And I know of that we've book, said so it multiple times, it but it's grotesque and gorgeous at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the language for sure. Um I mean I mean for look at this. This is how each chapter flower. starts with this beautiful flowers, but then there's what is yeah. this? Like a drop of blood. And then once you read the book, you know that oh, these yeah. flowers are around like blood and death and they smell disgusting, but they look so pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they look pretty. What were you going to say? Oh, uh, just that talking? Rose had said something about Iris, like, embracing or acknowledging the darkness in her, but I don't think she is, because she says, don't look, don't look, don't look at her. I think she's, like, terrified of the darkness within. Like, yeah. she knows it's there, and she knows that she could tap into it and use it, but there's something about it that she just, like, isn't ready to mm. to do that. She isn't ready to, like, go there. Yeah, so I think she sees it, but she's hiding from it, I guess. And then my next thing is on 163 when the horn man, creepy horn man, strikes again in the hospital. So he's there. So, and Gray somehow broke out of her restraints and Mm -hmm. killed the guard, which at first I was like, what the fuck? She killed this policeman. But then we find out that it wasn't a policeman and he was actually like possessed or some shit with. A halfway spirit or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> like I don't know. Halfway or something. Yeah. Yeah. I wanna be honest, I really thought it was um a dream Iris oh, was having for a minute there. I mean I don't now. I know that it it was really happening, but when I was first reading it, I was like, Oh my god, because she talked about falling asleep on Tyler's shoulder and stuff like that. And then it just jumped into blood on the ground and the doctors huddled in a corner and stuff like that and it just seems so out of place uh-huh. for where they were and yeah. i was like oh she's dreaming and then it just kept going and going i was like oh, well she no, also mentioned that dream. she thought that maybe gray's hysteria was catching so even iris thought that maybe she was seeing things or imagining things but yeah we know now mm-hmm. that it was all it was all true yeah you know what i find interesting though is that they say that the horn man has a gun and <clears throat> I just find that very interesting that like that's his weapon of choice like this creature from the the halfway or beyond I don't know I just find it strange that he carries a gun. yeah 
I mean, I, yeah, I feel like he should have some it like is. pitchfork made from rotten yeah. wood or something. Or so, I don't know, just like yeah, uh, yeah. something ancient and like right. mystical. It just seems strange to me that a gun is his weapon of choice. I don't know if there's any significance there, but it just sticks out to me. That is interesting. So uh, I did want to mention. So before we hop ahead on one sixty three is when this all happens. The horn man comes in. Um. But the way that it's worded, I just want to read this little paragraph real quick. So, then he was there, just as she said he would be. I knew him from his silhouette, even if I couldn't see his face. The man from Gray's burned-out apartment. Tall and thin, the skull of a dead bull worn over his face. The stench of him palmed my face, driving splinters of rot and damp and smoke into my nose. A flicker of broken memories skipped across the surface of my thoughts. A decomposing forest, a hand with a knife. Three children warming themselves by a fireplace. Three little girls with dark hair and blue eyes. Us. Whose house were we at? Mm. So this is like another instance of memories resurfacing in Iris. And it's brought about by that smell, which we've mentioned before. How the smell keeps bringing back those memories. I have Gray's pep talk on 176. I have something on 176 too. What stuck out to me is when Iris recants how um or recants recalls how like originally when she said she broke her finger because gray had broken hers she said like iris said that she broke her own finger right but then now she's saying that mm-hmm. gray is the one who said break your finger too and i just thought that's mm-hmm. weird because she's usually trying to protect her sisters but then iris says like how can i make it better and gray tells her to break her own finger i don't know that seems like really dark and strange uh-huh. so then it, i I'm starting to think, like, we thought that Iris was following her sister, like, of her own free will, um, which is, like, a normal thing for little sisters to do. But at this point, I'm wondering if it is, like, a learned behavior or, like, some sort of, like, almost trauma response that she was, like, trained to follow Grey because Grey is older than her and, like, put this Mm -hmm. influence and almost scared her into doing exactly what she does. I marked down Gray's little pep talk. It's not really a pep, pep talk, talk, but that's how I... Yeah, it's what I worded it as in my notes. Um, but it says, On my way out, Gray snatched up my bruised wrists in her hands. I winced at the layered pain, hurt on hurt. Use the gifts you have been given, she said to me. No one should be able to lay a finger on you. You can bring them to their knees if that's what you want. You can make mm-hmm. them pay. Yeah, and I had um, a very similar paragraph at the beginning of 176 that says, because you're weak, because you let you let lesser people push you around, because you are afraid of how powerful you are and you shrink away from it, because I won't always be around to protect you, and I know, I know you are capable of protecting yourself because you are more like me than you realize. So, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. it's kind of a pep talk, but it's also kind of um, not. <laughs> yeah. It was the only thing I could describe it as, honestly, for for my notes. And I knew exactly what I, I was talking Gray's about. I think Grace also, <laughs> like, in that she's a little frustrated with Iris for, like, not um, yes. giving in to this power or realizing the power or letting it kind of uh, take her over or, or filter into her life more. Grace, like, you have it. Like, why won't you fucking use it? Mm-hmm. Especially now, like, I think Grey realizes that she might not survive this fight that she has or this race that she's having with this horn man. And once she's gone, I think she's scared that Iris won't have protection when she's not there. 
mm-hmm. because she won't step into her power. So I think she's scared and frustrated and just trying to push Iris to that breaking point where she steps into that darker side within herself. Although I guess I'm just realizing now that I think Grey told her to break her finger too to prove a point. What do you mean? Yeah. Well, just because that like, paragraph that yeah. Steph read after where it says no one should be able to lay a finger on you. You can bring them to their knees if that's what you want. You can make them pay. So, like, I think if she was, if she, like, made Iris break her finger, she's saying, like, this is what you can do to other people. Like, people shouldn't be able to hurt you because you can do whatever you want. Like, you can make them pay. Mm-hmm. But then after this, we get into the, they run away from the, the horned man. A uh, gray jumps in this car and um, uses her persuasion to make this man drive them to an unknown location. Yeah. Um, And this man is like, he's out of it. Like, I found it really interesting how he didn't respond to anyone when the car, he drove until the car literally broke down because it ran out of gas. And then he just started walking away and everybody was like, well, fuck, I don't know what's going on. And he comes back with gas. So he's, his mind is working enough for him to realize what happened and how to fix it to continue his goal of driving them to Scotland. But at the same time, he's so out of it that he can't, he doesn't respond to anyone or anything or any external stimuli. He doesn't pay for the gas. He doesn't do anything. He just, his goal, drive them to their location. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I think his goal is to drive Gray there. It's not even them because, like, they won't even be in the car. They had to run after him when he left. Like, yeah. his goal is just to get Gray there. I don't. Mm-hmm. Everybody else yeah. is just along for True. the ride. True. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because they had to keep jumping in the car as he was like mm-hmm. speeding off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after yeah. all this, we end up getting to their location, which is um, I have m- marked on one eighty two. It's this house. With um, that's addressed to their grandmother's name, and at first mm-hmm. I was like, at fir- yeah, right." I have I, that, at first I was I like, have that their grandmother, like what?" But then we find out that Gray used her grandmother's name as an um, to like alias, yeah, like a hidden alias. identity to buy houses and safe houses or whatever. I don't know. I, I want to know more about this little girl. I do. Like yeah. what her deal is, what her part. And it is. I know they talk about her story just a little bit. She, I wonder if we're going to get more. Yeah. So we know she's been to the halfway, but how did she get yeah. there? We know that she how was there for a long out? period of time because we find those news clippings of when she went missing. And then multiple years later, when her mother died, those two news clippings. So we know mm-hmm. that she was there for a long time and she didn't mm-hmm. age while she right. was there because she's still a little girl. Mm-hmm. Didn't but, she say, though, that she got out because... Mm-hmm. Gray found her and then found the runes for like, what what are the runes that for like um, mm-hmm. life, something and death and then like drew them in a way. Yeah, so that's on page oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 201. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah. That, but yeah. the runes have to specifically be in Gray's blood or mm-hmm. one of the sisters' blood because their blood it has the ability to travel between the two worlds, which I found really interesting because that explains why Yulia Vasilik had Grey's blood on her. Because, like, Amy, you made a point of saying mm-hmm. uh, at the end of our last video that um, Grey's blood was found on Yulia. And we were like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Why was she covered in Grey's blood? 
But now we know that Grey used her blood in these runes to be able to get her back. So in my mind, it's actually a good thing that she was covered in Grey's blood. Like Grey was helping her by giving her blood to her. Yeah, but I also just wonder, it's like how many times has Grey gone back to the halfway? Because it seems like she just keeps going back and like, I don't know. But why is she going back? So if she went, if she brought this little girl back, like is her purpose traveling back and forth trying to save these people that are stuck? Like maybe, she, and that's going, why the bullhorn man is coming after her, because he wants to stop her or something? Yeah, maybe. That's what I'm thinking. Like, what mm-hmm. if she's traveling back and forth, being like this um, savior? Yeah. Savior of sorts. But then no one else knows that. She's just some weird girl painting her blood on people. <laughs> yeah, true story. Okay, so then on 192... Um, oh, did you have something, Seth? Oh, on 190... Well, on 191... Uh... That was when Iris called her mother real quick. And Kate called, referred to Grey yeah. as that thing. Mm-hmm. She didn't even call her, uh, referred to her as a person or anything. It was just that thing. She said, where are you? I knew I shouldn't have let you stay with that thing. And this kind of I'm breaks ties between Iris and her mother as well. Because then Iris blocks her, yep. deletes her from the Find Friends app, like all of those things. And like cuts ties with her completely at this point. For sure. Mm-hmm. But then on 192, yeah. Kate says to Iris, don't trust her. Run. Listen to me, please. You have to run. Run. She is not. Yeah. Something. Yeah. I hung up and we pressed the heel of my hand against my mouth to keep from sobbing. It's like, so we don't know what she is, but Kate knows. Kate knows something. I don't know if she knows mm-hmm. what she is, but she knows what she's not. True. So... And of course, Iris hangs up because suspense. (laughs) Um, I marked something on page 200, unless you have something before that. So in the, I'm not, I don't remember who's in this. I think it's Agnes is in the kitchen. That's the little girl with, I think, is it Vivian Tyler? Yeah, they're hanging out. Well, Agnes and Iris are up on the roof. Oh, that's okay. So it's Agnes and Iris here Mm -hmm. on 200. Okay, so then Iris says, you came back, you're like us. And then Agnes says, I'm not like you. You must understand by now that you are different. Why are you so beautiful, do you think? So hungry, so able to bend the wills of those around you. You are like the death flowers that grow rampant in your wake. Lovely to look at, intoxicating even. But get too close and you will soon learn that there is something rank beneath. That's what beauty often is in nature, a warning, a disguise. Do you understand? But so... I don't know. It's like you start to get the feeling that they are something evil. Mm-hmm. Like there's something very like evil and yeah. Wrong and their beauty them. is to draw in victims or prey, like a right. like a Venus flytrap or something like that. Right. Yeah. And maybe Iris isn't fully consumed by it yet. She still has like her conscience or whatever. But I mean, I feel like Gray maybe is. Mm-hmm. And I think that has Grey's to do gone. with the age. Like Gray was older. And uh, Iris was so young when this happened and she still wanted like her parents and once fit in with society and was like still developing when they came back. But then So then the horn man comes back. Horn man comes back <laughs> again. And there's like a fight. A fight breaks out at this little apartment. 
And I find it important, we didn't mention it, but um, the reason he keeps finding them is because he has Grey's blood. He's using Grey's blood to travel back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because he has her blood, he can find her anywhere, which they mention in this section. Um, we just hadn't brought it up, but that is right. why he keeps finding them so quickly. Yeah. So he comes in, there is uh, a struggle and, or a fight, and um, then he snatches Vivi and Gray and takes off with them. And maybe kills Agnes and, kills and, Agnes. and gives Iris a concussion. And Tyler, Tyler might be dead too. too. Yeah, might be. Yeah. So now says, Iris mm-hmm. is left all alone. The bottom of two or three where it says, "Then Vivi screams abruptly, abruptly stopped midway, fizzling out like hot metal plunged into water." So in my mind, they're running and then they're in the halfway. Like he tra- transported into the yeah. halfway because she turns around the corner and yes, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he has taken them. And yeah. now Iris is standing there. Yeah. Well, now she's beating down the door of every house on the street. And the cops are coming, I'm assuming, because she says she hears sirens. So, like, yeah. they're going to think she's insane again, like they did with Gray. Like, I don't see this playing out well yes. with her going to the police. I don't think it's going to end well for her. Yeah. No, not at all. I don't know. Yeah. I just know that I'm excited to read it, and I can't wait to find out. We I keep know. leaving I'm off sorry. on these, <laughs> these uh, cliffhanger of chapters. It's not your fault. How would you know? But it's just—it's funny that. Yeah. Well, that's because this whole book is just off. one big cliffhanger. Yeah, it is crazy. I don't want to wait a yeah. whole week before we talk again. Oh, ah. mm-hmm. Well, I feel like everyone's already finished it except us. I feel like we're the only ones who haven't finished it. That's why I'm saying we could upload like two this week because everybody else already finished it, right? So that's true. Yeah, I don't know, but that's where we're at, Crystal Sutherland. We're at Crystal Sutherland, dude. Yeah, I haven't read her other book, um, Chemical Hearts. I did add it to my TBR, but the synopsis didn't drag me in as much as this one did so i'm not sure if i'm gonna read that one or not or just wait for her to write another one well i haven't read the synopsis of this one either there's two on the back of this book what's the one that a semi-definitive list of worst nightmares it kind of like looks like this one so okay so the first chapter of chemical hearts is at the back of this book you can always see if you can get into it oh no the first two chapters that's true. Maybe I'll, I'll first three give chapters. that a little perusal. And the first chapter. Oh, and the first couple chapters yeah. of the other book are in here, too. What are you trying to do? Make me buy all your books or something? That's exactly what she's trying to do. That's a, <laughs> that's a good strategy right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, I really enjoyed the writing style and the imagery, again, and the vocabulary. Like, I've loved it so far, so... Mm-hmm. I might have to give her other books to read. Or I'll just buy them and they'll sit on this shelf like all these others. Either way. Either way. Do we want to announce the five books that we are thinking to put? And where will that pull be? I haven't decided yet. On our IG, right? Yeah, so I was going to put it on our IG, but then um, I was also going to drop it in our Discord. So I might use a third-party polling 
system so that all it pulls from both places. Uh, I haven't really decided yet, but yeah, just stay on our socials, on our Instagram, and um, I'll post it there whenever mm -hmm. I decide how we're gonna do that. So the first one is The Night and Its Moon by Piper CJ. Um, so the description here, Farley is just an orphanage. At least that's what the church would have the people believe, but beautiful orphans, Knox and Faye, touch Damaris no better. They are commodities for sale, available for purchase by the highest bidder. So when the madam of a notorious brothel in a far-off city offers a king's ransom to purchase Amaris, Knox ends up taking her place, while Amaris is drawn away to the mountains, home of a mysterious assassins. Even as they take up new lives and identities, Knox and Amaris never forget one thing. They will stop at nothing to reunite, but the threat of war looms overhead, and the two are inevitably swept into a conflict between human and fae, magic and mundane. With strange new alliances, untested powers, and a bond that neither time nor distance could possibly break, the fate of the realms lies in the hands of two orphans, and the love they held hold for one another. So, um, this is kind of a controversial book. Um, Piper CJ is relatively popular on TikTok, and this was released recently. It is an LGBTQ uh, fantasy. Um, and we've been talking with Piper CJ a little bit. We might be able to get her on the pod, maybe, uh, if we do read this. She is also, um, making another edition, kind of similar to what happened with Atlas 6. This version was not edited as well as it could have been. She is an independent author, didn't, didn't really have the, um, facilities to have it like she didn't go to a publishing house and like didn't have as much money as some others do to uh, go into the publication process but now that it has been a little more popular she is making a another version that is going to be edited and um changed a little bit yeah we have some some mixed feelings about this one yeah, a little well, bit. I have mixed feelings about this one, for sure. Do you sure, want to talk so. about that a little bit? Um, yeah, I just, you know, so for those of you who don't know, um, she, somebody had posted a review on Goodreads that wasn't um, a good review, and she was upset about it, and basically kind of like went after the person, and from what I understand, had kind of told everyone like, tell them why their review is wrong. Like, you know, um, I don't want to say that she incited online bullying because I, I just don't know the extent of it, but I was shown some of what had happened. Um, and then she, you know, a lot of people were really upset about what she'd done. And so she, you know, made a huge apology and um, just said that she's young and she, you know, she'll do better. And she realizes that Goodreads isn't a place for authors. Um, but as somebody who's also a writer, I just, I can't get over, like, everyone's entitled to their own opinion of your work once you release it out there. It's just something that comes with the territory of being an artist or, or creator. And you just, ha like, you know that not everyone's going to love your product. And to, like, go after somebody for having their own opinion of your work is just... Um, I, I just think it just 
it's just like a lack of character. I, I don't know. Um, and she said that she, did, you know, she's young and she didn't know, but she's like 30. And I just, I just think that like, you know, better. So I have kind of mixed feelings about reading this for that reason. And then also from my understanding, um, it seems like some of the book just like it almost wasn't even proofread. Um, so just seems like it was kind of like rushed to get to get published. And I don't know, that might be difficult for me to read as well. Um, but you know, if everyone's interested in it, I've heard people love the world that she built and, and that the characters are good characters and you know, that it's a good story, um, overall. So if people want to read it, like I'll definitely read it and I'll come into it with an open mind. Um, but that's just where I'm at right now. Also, if, uh, we end up not reading this version because there is another version, uh, coming out, Amy, if the editing or the, um, like grammatical errors that may or may not be in it uh, bother you. We could always wait until the new version comes out as well and see how, how that does or how we feel about that one as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so. Mm -hmm. And as Rose mentioned, we've been talking with her a little bit, so maybe it's something that we'd be more interested to get into later if we are able to have her on the podcast mm -hmm. at some point. Maybe that's uh, a better time to do it but obviously if people want to read it now we will right. read it now yeah i mean you. i would love um, to get i we'll see how the poll uh, goes you know take on the whole thing and just hear it from her own mouth everything that transpired so we'll mm -hmm. see yeah all right so then our next one is the paris apartment by lucy folly um amy this was your pick correct you want to talk about it this a little is bit? my pick um, so I actually, I, I, you'll have to read the synopsis for me cause I can't, it's too small for me to read. Okay. Um, but I am a huge fan of the guest list. That's one of my favorite mystery thrillers that I've read in a long time. It got me out of a reading slump. Um, and just from the first page, I was like into it and I thought it was really well written, great character development and kept me guessing the whole time. And I just thought it was really fun. So when I saw that Paris Apartment came out, it looks like it's kind of written in a similar style with like the multi-character perspective, um, which I didn't really think I liked until I read the guest list. And then I loved the way that she did that. So um, yeah, I, I hope that this one is just as good, if not better. All right. Um, she just needs a fresh start. She, she's broken alone and she's just left her job under less than ideal circumstances. Her half-brother Ben didn't sound thrilled when she asked if she could crash with him for a bit, but he didn't say no, and surely everything will look better from Paris. Only when she shows up to find a very nice apartment, could Ben really have afforded this? He's not there. The longer Ben stays missing, the more Jess starts to dig into her brother's situation, and the more questions she has. Ben's neighbors are an eclectic bunch and not particularly friendly. Jess may have come to Paris to escape her past, but it's starting to look like it's Ben's feature that's in question. The socialite, the nice guy, the alcoholic, the girl on the verge, the concierge. Everyone's a neighbor, everyone's a suspect, and everyone knows something they're not telling. Um, I also like Lucy Folly, so I'm interested in, in this. And like I mentioned in our introductions, I do enjoy mysteries. So if this is one that's... Uh, people want us to read i will be excited to read i'm going to be excited to read any of the five honestly but um i also loved the guest list amy so uh 
I'd be interested. I haven't read any Lucy Folly, uh, and I know that you both love her, so um, I doubt I would be disappointed mm -hmm. if we read it. All right, so next we have Mary Jane. That's Which you're gonna have to read long. it for me, as well. <laughs> but um, I chose I chose it I chose it because um, it's like a coming of age story. It's just a regular fiction. Instead, we in in case we wanted to get away from mysteries and fantasy, um, and it just seems like a a sweet coming of age story set in the seventies, and it just sounds. It, I don't know. I've been drawn to it for a while. It's been on my shelf for a while, so. That's why I chose it. All right, so for this synopsis, in 1970s Baltimore, 14-year-old Mary Jane loves cooking with her mother, singing in her church choir, and enjoying her family's subscription to the Broadway Show Tunes of the Month Record Club. Shy, quiet, and bookish, she's glad when she lands a summer job as a nanny for the daughter of a local doctor. A respectable job, Mary Jane's mother says, in a respectable house. The house may look respectable on the outside, but inside it's a literal and figurative mess. Clutter on every surface, impeachment now more than ever, bumper stickers on the doors, cereal and takeout for dinner. And even more troublesome, were Mary Jane's mother were Mary Jane's mother to know, which she does not. The doctor is a psychiatrist who has cleared his summer for one important job, helping a famous rock star dry out. A week after Mary Jane starts, the rock star and his movie star wife move in. Over the course of the summer, Mary Jane introduces her new household to crisply ironed clothes and a family dinner schedule, and has a front row seat to a liberal world of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, not to mention group therapy. Caught between the lifestyle she's always known and the future she's only just realized is possible, Mary Jane will arrive at September with a new idea about what she wants out of life and what kind of person she's going to be. Thanks. Gives me like almost famous vibes, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. Yeah, same. In fact, in the description, it says almost famous meets Daisy oh, Jones well, and the go. Six, <laughs> which just yeah, same, same. Me. I mean, I'm a huge classic rock fan, and just like that whole era. So, oh yeah, if it's anything like almost famous, I'm in. All right, so we got the city we became by N.K. Jemisin. Uh, I don't really know a huge amount about this book, but it's been on my TBR and I've seen people reviewing it and it looked really good. Um, I've been wanting to read N.K. Jemisin for a while and I believe this is a standalone where normally mm -hmm. she does like trilogies. I think so, yeah. I'm pretty right? sure this is the standalone. If it's not, uh, I'm going to get myself into a trilogy on accident if we read this, which <laughs> happens. <laughs> In Manhattan, a young grad student gets off the train and realizes he doesn't remember who he is, where he's from, or even his own name. But he can sense the beating heart of the city, see its history, and feel its power. In the Bronx, Ellen Opp, gallery director, discovers strange graffiti scattered throughout the city. So beautiful and powerful, it's as if the paint is literally calling to her. In Brooklyn, a politician and mother finds she can hear the songs of her city pulsing to the beat of her Louis Vuitton heels. And they're not the only ones. Every great city has a soul. Some are ancient as myths, and others are as new and destructive as children. New York, she's got six. And N.K. Jemisin has won... I can't read yeah. it. It says on there, doesn't it? Like she's Three won a times bunch of Hugo, Hugo Awards, Award winning and New York amazing. Times bestselling author N.K. Mm -hmm. Jemisin. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably good. 
Um, and then our last one is If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio. Um, yeah, so this one is my pick. Uh, I have heard about this one on Book Talk. Uh, Lauren's Little Library is a book talker that I follow almost religiously. I love her. She's awesome. Um, Lauren's Little Library, if you see this, hi. Um, (laughs) 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 Anyway, um, she said this is one of her favorite books. Like, it might be her new, like, all-time favorite. Um, So, let's see. The synopsis of this is... On the day Oliver Marks is released from jail, the man who put him there is waiting at the door. Detective Colburn wants to know the truth, and after 10 years, Oliver is finally ready to tell it. A decade ago, Oliver is of seven young Shakespearean actors at Delacre Classical Conservatory, a place of keen ambition and fierce competition. In this secluded world of firelight and leather-bound books, Oliver and his friends play the same roles on stage and off. Hero, villain, tyrant, temptress. Ingenue? I don't know how to say that. I don't know how to say that. Ingenue. I grew Mm -hmm. up in cornfields of Pennsylvania, people. I don't know these words. Uh, (laughs) Alright. Oliver and his friends play the same roles on stage and off. Hero, villain, tyrant, temptress, ingenue, extras. But in their fourth and final year, good-natured rivalries turn ugly, and on opening night, real violence invades the students' world of make-believe. In the morning, the fourth years find themselves facing their very own tragedy and their greatest acting challenge yet, convincing the police, each other, and themselves that they are all innocent. Nice. Yeah, it's a little mystery in, like, Shakespearean setting. Like, I've... I've been told by many people that this is an amazing book. So Yeah, sounds good. I'm excited to read any of these, honestly. I just want I want to get the poll out there so we know yeah, what we're sure, diving same. into. Yeah, I'm also excited. And we're going to try to, I know this one has, I think, like three mysteries on it or something, but we'll try to keep um, the options diverse as far as genre goes. Um, but sometimes it might just happen like this where we're all kind of like thinking about Mysteries. Books that have fallen into the same genre, yeah. So. Which was not intentional. I was just trying to not give a fantasy pick because <laughs> almost all of yeah. my TBR is fantasy or romance. So I was trying to get something different, and then it turned out we all ended up going mystery route. So I know. That's okay. I have some fiction in my pocket for next month. Nice. All right. The next, next month, whatever. And also, if you noticed, um, all of our authors are female or NB. So we're kind of trying to go around that route. Um, Females in publication have always struggled, especially in like adult fantasy, sci-fi, like things like that. So we are trying to promote more of them. And Mm -hmm. also we're trying to be diverse um, Mm -hmm. within that as well to get some like LGBTQ, some BIPOC authors, some indie authors, like mix it up a bit. Yeah, we'll try to keep it as diverse as possible. We are going to struggle because even though we try to be diverse, we don't have the same experiences as those that are different from us. So if you have ideas or options of how we can be, be more inclusive, 
don't be scared to let us know because we are 100% open to that. And I know that I have some unintentional bias just based on my life and how the world acts toward me because I'm not as different as other people. Well, we can only come at it from the white woman perspective exactly that's all we know but if you are a person mm-hmm. that can give me a different perspective i am 100 percent down mm-hmm. to hear it and i am Absolutely. open to that and i would love to read more diverse things and to be able to read more yeah. diverse things you have to be open to more diverse authors so that's just how it works totally right. so. yeah we're always up for recommendations mm-hmm. and you know we do want to have more guests on the show so anyone out there like if we are reading um uh, an author that's a woman of color or a person of color um you know we would love to have like a guest come on that could maybe offer us a different perspective um or a different take on what it is that we're reading so agreed um just all those things we just want more interaction with anyone who's following along with us and um just kind of build a community here yeah, okay sure. well those are our five picks for next month uh we will set up a poll uh we have discussed chapters. 13 through 16 of House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. Next week, we will finish House of Hollow by Crystal Sutherland. uh, And then following that, we will do a book talk. And that should hopefully give everybody a chance if they want to purchase our next month's read um, or get it from their library, they can. And follow along with us as we read it, whichever book that may be. Yep. Rock and roll. Yeah. All right. Well, bye, guys. (laughs) guys. See ya.